HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. This is Sam Edwards, proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network, SurreyFarms.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. On the phone today, we have someone I just met very recently, actually. Uh, last month, I was down at uh, a friend of the show, Sinjin Frizzell's bar, uh, Fort Defiance in Red Hook, New York. Well, not Red Hook, New York. Red Hook, Brooklyn, that is. Um, and there was the night of the Charles H. Baker Shaker, which was given to him by Charles H. Baker's daughter. And he decided to invite a lot of his friends out to uh, have this great night of uh, cocktail making and shaking in this artifact of cocktail history. And at the end of the night, we... Uh, retired it and put it in a glass case and it's on display there at Fort Defiance. That night, I got to run into a very nice couple that just opened up a distillery in Red Hook very recently called the Van Brunt Stillhouse. And on the phone today, we have proprietor and master distiller Derek Schlesselman. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excellent. Thanks for uh, calling in. I know you're a very busy man and uh, I'm just glad to get you on the show. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So, give us a little bit of a little bit of background, just uh, a little bit of introduction of like how this distillery got started. I know right now you're just uh, you're doing the rum as far as what's being distributed, but you have a lot of projects underway. Yeah, right now I'm. Uh, we just have rum in the stores right now, but um, at, the, at this very moment we're also uh, sort of playing around with our whiskey recipes because we want to release some whiskey next year and. Um, and we just need, wanted to get some whiskey in the barrels while we're, while we're selling our rum. But mostly we're focusing on the rum. And uh, this fall, once, once winemaking season rolls around, we also will spend a little bit of time making some grappa. Oh, man, that's something I've always wanted to do around here. There's so many wineries around, it's, it just makes sense to do that. Well, that's actually how it all sort of started, was uh, with a conversation with, with uh, Red Hook Winery down here in Red Hook. And... Um, and uh, I had actually never made grappa before, and uh, and 
it just seemed like a, a fun little side thing to do, and I got hooked. I um, once I started, I I, I'm, I get so excited about the season rolling around. Absolutely. And so, did you start out with like like a like a home still, something like stovetop or something smaller? You know, like I mean, obviously you didn't go straight for the Christian Carl, did you? <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, I uh, once I sort of had the 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 inspiration to to try my hand at distilling. I I, I did. I bought a um, what was labeled a, a garden ornament. Uh, from <laughs> Portugal that got imported, and uh, it's this beautiful, you know, the distillation came to Europe through the this, this Portugal and Spain peninsula, and uh, this still is designed and came from a, a time of another era. It's this beautifully handcrafted, copper-hammered Olympic still, and um, yeah, and so I, I started my first experimentation with it, and um, and then eventually when I started to, to get serious about the possibility of having this be a, a business, uh, I, I s- contracted some distilling with a distillery up in, in Connecticut, uh, Westford Hill Distillery, uh, who mostly does brandies, but um, I convinced them to let me play on their still and sort of refine my rum recipe so that when, the, when Van Brunt Stillhouse opened, we'd have a nice, um, solid recipe ready to roll. Cool. And did you, I mean, obviously you probably played around with uh, different like sugar canes and then unprocessed sugars and processed sugars. I mean, how, how many, what was the process? Well, no, I, no I mean, um, there. Back then I would, um, uh, I would, I would ferment all the washes in my basement. I had these, these, uh, 50 gallon drums and would, um, go down in my basement and, and mix up different sugar combinations and use different yeasts. And, and then once they were fermented, I would, you know, laboriously pump them out of my basement into the back of my old pickup truck and then cart them off to this distillery up in Connecticut um, to make them into to rum. And uh, it, was a, it was a blast. It was a very fun experimental time for me. And, and yeah, I tried Demerara sugar and I tried molasses and I tried, I, I didn't uh, actually try any white sugar, but I tried just about every other sugar I could get my hands on. And um, in the end, I, I settled on this totally unprocessed, naturally dried sugar uh, that, that comes from India. I mean, you can get this type of sugar from any, anywhere in the world, but the, the company that I wanted to run with was um, importing it from India. And I'm very excited about it. I'm very happy with it. Cool. And what are some of the characteristics you would use to describe that specific sugar as opposed to, like you said, like a Demerara or, say, a Turbinado? Right. Well, something I discovered um, in researching sugar is that, that um, Demerara and uh, Turbinado are, are relatively refined and, and then are typically sprayed with, with molasses sure. um, to, to give it that richer molasses flavor. And um, uh, while like I was actually rice, created some, some good thing. rum with that sugar, um, what I like about the sugar I chose was that that it's never had any of the molasses removed from it. It has this re- rich, deep flavor. I mean, I've tried to make some uh, simple syrups just to make with cocktails uh, with it, and I actually didn't like it in cocktails because <laughs> it's it's such a rich flavor that it really ends up tasting like you're putting molasses in your, uh, in your daiquiri, <laughs> which wow. is not really what you're looking for. Right. So, throughout this process, you you found the uh, the sugar you liked. Um, you started originally taking it to this distillery in Connecticut. 
When did you start uh, bringing it back to Brooklyn? When, when, when? Uh, well, uh, the, the laws are all very specific about this. And, and, you, and while you're allowed to produce wine in your basement in the quantities that I was producing it, you're not allowed to be distilling it or, or have distilled spirits um, that are homemade. And so basically I, um, all the rum got produced under their license, and it stayed in their, in their distillery while I was getting my my lease together and my license together. Um, so it all came down to Brooklyn um, as soon as I got my license it back in December. Cool. So I just have to ask because it's always been a dream of mine. Um, the Christian Carl still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically like with, with so many um, like newer distilleries popping up, it's cool to see that there's a company like Christian Carl that's producing these beautiful, beautiful copper stills. And you're starting to see them, especially, I mean, around town. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's because that's someone that's producing them at a quantity to where everyone can have one. It seems like that's the quality that everyone wants. And for any new distiller, you really have to go out there and like have the best equipment and do do everything the right way. And it's cool to see, especially with a lot of the contemporary distillers, even just in New York City, it seems like most of them have the, the Christian Carl label on them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, I come from a, a, a long line of farmers, and farmers are always well known for sort of making do with what they can. And, I, and around my distillery, you'll find plenty of things that are cobbled together in in as cheap a fashion as possible for me to make do what I do, but the still was just one place where I felt like I really had to 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 spend the money because the Christian Carl is just so amazingly well designed, and um, it just to me it didn't it, there was no there was no second choice really. I mean there are some I don't mean to dismiss the other stills that are out there as is not being good quality stills, but I just felt like the Christian Carl was the was the the top of the line, and I and I just wanted to to spend my money there. Absolutely. Did you have any? Um, I was just wondering. Did you have any uh, like buddies around town? Like any of the other distillers that you uh, kind of bounced ideas off of? Was there any? I'm I'm hoping that there's definitely like a camaraderie with the uh, the the New York distilling scene. You know, there there at this point there definitely is. Uh, when I bought my still, and when I was sort of knocking around my 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 business idea. There, there were no other distilleries in town, um, uh, quite literally, and uh, and it was there. There's a there's a couple. There's a great community nationwide, and there's a bulletin board that that we all belong to, and and, and exchange ideas, and it was a wealth of information. Uh, but I basically ended up building my facility largely without other input. There, was, um, you know, I, I definitely met some of the other distillers along the way, but they were sort of in the same place I was, and, and weren't. Um, much help in terms of helping me guide the the facility. Everyone was kind of like learning at exactly. the same time at same but, pace. But now that uh, now that we're all sort of up and running and we've started to meet each other, it's it's a great community. I've um, it's a, it's a really wonderful place to um, to and it's a wonderful group of people to to work with. Cool. Let me ask you this too. Okay, we've talked a little bit about the rum. Obviously, I, I tasted it. We were talking about uh, Fort Defiance earlier. I got to taste it at Fort Defiance uh, last week or the week before. It's great. It's a great light rum. You know, it's very mixable. Like you said before, you mentioned a daiquiri. It's great for that. I, I'd kind of like to um, 
kind of talk a little bit more about uh, these other projects you got going on. If you go to the sure. website, which is vanbruntstillhouse.com, you'll see that there are four categories there. You've got the rum, which is called Due North. It's an 80-proof uh, white rum. Uh, then you've got three other categories of whiskey, grappa, and moonshine. And kind of like, let's start out with the, the whiskey, because you sent me an email a few weeks ago ago and uh unfortunately i wasn't able to swing by when you were uh distilling the whiskey but uh tell us about what your what kind of focus you're having or what your focus is as far as whiskey goes well well uh, i'm in this really fun place in terms of the whiskey production right now because uh it's such a is a huge difference between producing uh five gallons of whiskey on your on your stovetop and in your basement compared to uh Doing it in a in a commercial environment, that the the recipes that I had sort of put together before I my Carl still showed up in the door um, are, are very different, and and so I basically have spent the last couple months trying to just find the right recipes, and uh, so I'm doing three different whiskeys uh, at the moment. I don't know that I'll have uh, I'll certainly have a. a limited release of all three of these whiskeys. It's not like I'm making these to drink myself, but I think uh, going forward, I don't know that I'll offer all three whiskeys for sale in the long term, but I'm making a, um, and I'm, what I'm calling an American whiskey, which is, uh, which is I think, my favorite, of, just personal taste favorite uh, pers- uh, for myself. It's a, it's a blend of grains. It, it has barley and wheat and rye and corn all together, and, and, and basically I wanted to go with that with that blend of things, because I'm a big fan of, of Belgian beer, and uh, the Belgian beer makers are are, are sort of well known for for their that um, they don't pay attention to the rules of brewing. They <laughs> they sort of do whatever works best to make the best beer, and they're always using other grains um, in their beers. and And so I wanted to to find the right combination that gave complexity and. The soft. I'm also a big fan of weeded bourbons, uh, like uh, Pappy Van Winkle sure. type of bourbons, and so I wanted to to have that softness that those those bourbons have, um, but with some of the complexities of some of the other grains that are out there. Um, so that's one of them. I'm also doing uh, a rye and uh, having a lot of fun playing around with whether it's a. I've made a. a rye that's 50% rye, and I've made a rye that's 100% rye and, and different types of, of rye. And um, the jury's sort of still out on which of those ryes will, will win out in the end. It, partly because rye, I think, is one of those spirits that really needs some age to really sure. uh, have the flavors come out. And then the third thing I'm doing is uh, I've been collaborating with uh, Six Point Brewery to, to make a, a scotch-style single malt. Oh, cool. And um, and that's also been very fun. Well, they're right down the street from you, so yeah, that's yeah, right around probably, the corner. Yeah, you could we'll just take a wheelbarrow and <laughs> pretty much <laughs> wheel it down the street. Um, so that being said, like uh, I was looking at your website uh, last week as well, and I uh, noticed that when you said American style whiskey, um, I saw that there were barrels for Buffalo Trace on your website. Yep. So you're using used barrels, so. Obviously, you can't call it, you know, like a bourbon, even if it were predominantly corn. Right. Because um, it would have to be uh, first-time use. Um, so, 
that being said, like, and also you mentioned Van Winkle, which comes from Buffalo. That's my favorite distillery. I mean, I just have right. to say, uh, as far as like the big guys go. Um, have you done any, or do you have any plans to do any kind of experimental finishing or? Uh, is that you know, too far the, down the, the line? Unfortunately, finishing, um, in my humble opinion, is um, is a little bit of a challenge for a small distiller. Sure. And um, I would love to get to that point. Uh, but but I think it takes years to have enough uh, mature product to, to, to get there. Uh, at this point, I'm... I'm I'm choosing the aging process that I think is going to to do the best uh, for me in the in the sh- in the shortest period of time possible, and that's that ends up being a blend of of using some of the bourbon barrels, using some new oak, and um, and then trying to find the right the right path to take to to be both make good whiskey and uh, be economically viable. But I, you know, I definitely play with some other finishes. Uh, um, but but at this point, it's a little too early for me to to sure. commit to that too far. Sure, I just I like to jump ahead. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll continue speaking with Derek Sh- <laughs> Stillman. <laughs> Sorry, from uh, Van Brunt Stillhouse. Back in a moment. program was sponsored by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Summertime is not the only time when barbecue is welcome. At S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, Sam Edwards has been working his magic on ribs, briskets, pit-cooked pulled pork, and much, much more. Add a few of their sides and the party is complete. Entertaining has never been so easy. To order, go to virginiatraditions.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on the show today. On the phone today, we have Derek Schlesselman from Van Brunt Stillhouse in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Welcome back to the show, Derek. Thank you. So we were talking about uh, the Due North Rum, and we were talking about the whiskey production that you're very excited about, especially the rye. It's it, to me, especially when you taste rye whiskey, like taste so many of them side by side. The they vary so much. I mean, and you can tell that, I mean, obviously it is from the grain, but it, like you said before, it is the aging that changes rye whiskey. It feels like more so than a, a bourbon even. Um, so there's a lot that you can do to play around with it, but I'm just ready for you to get that in a bottle so I can try it out. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit before about uh, the the origin of uh, your distilling career here um being grappa and playing around with uh the different musts from the different uh, wineries around the state which there are so many to choose from that it's a really cool thing to do and i i've always wanted to do that personally but i just don't have the time between work and radio and playing in a rock and roll band mm-hmm. i wish i could um but 
I, I love grappa and I would I would definitely love to try my hand at that one day. But uh, going on to moonshine, which is another category on your website, what was the uh, inspiration? There's there are a lot of a lot of white whiskeys out there right now, and uh, it. Yeah, you know, I haven't released my my moonshine yet because there are a lot of white whiskeys out there, and and some of them are really palatable, and some of them are are less palatable. Uh, I I I got excited about moonshine in part because because Red Hook, I mean, all of New York City, but Red Hook in particular has such a great history of of moonshine, and uh, it, people mostly associate moonshine with prohibition, but but moonshine really refers to anybody who's doing distilling illicitly. I mean, since right. the beginning of the country, there have been tax laws that, that required you to pay tax on your booze you were creating. Sure. And, and there was the Whiskey Rebellion. And exactly. And in the 19th century, a uh, little-known fact is that, that New York City produced more moonshine than the entire South combined. Uh, there were stills everywhere. There were stills in Chelsea. There were stills in Vinegar Hill. There were stills in uh, Red Hook all over town. Well, you know, in Red Hook, to me, I used to live in Red Hook and work down there at a little whiskey shop, and uh, it's no longer there anymore. Um, but it definitely, Red Hook has that spirit, pun intended, um, to where it's like, kind of like the, the it's kind of like the outlaw part of, of Brooklyn, uh, it's, it, but still having like that, that artisanal craft kind of thing, where you could, like, if you wanted to. Get away with making moonshine down there to this day. Right. Um, there's not, you know, I guess about like four or five years ago, there was a lot of spotlight as far as far as like real estate goes, and uh, and people opening up restaurants and bars and and uh, and little shops and, and things like that. It it never really picked up the way that they predicted, you know. And yeah. uh, the reason why, you know, it, there are many reasons why. I mean, there's not a lot of public transportation. Um, if you live down there, you're kind of down there, you know? I mean, unless you have a bike or a car, most people down there don't really do that. So it's its own little world, and it's perfect for, you know, things like breweries and distilleries. Even Stumptown Coffee's got their roastery down there. Right. So if you're down there, like, doing something that you can, like, outside of, like, a retail or, like, restaurant kind of... Uh, business if you if you're down there creating something that you can actually export out then it makes a lot of sense to be down there and there are several places you know like i mean it's it's exciting to me i I, unfortunately it all started to happen after i I moved away from Mm -hmm. but um i still ride my bike down there and just see like all the the cool things that are happening now like you know like your distillery there's another distillery doing uh this uh liqueur sorrel then there's um there's another one doing like cacao liqueurs yeah. and chocolates. Yep. Um, and I'm sure you guys all know each other and uh, powwow from time to time. Um, it's just a, it's a really cool scene down there, and I think I think like there really isn't another like neighborhood. I mean, I guess you could say Bushwick probably you could do that, and but but really Red Hook has that that spirit, you know. Right. So it's a it to me it's a very smart place to put a distillery. And uh and you know, if you uh if you know, if your still blows up, the water's right there. So 
But yeah, so um, so did you originally plan on doing Red Hook, or were you? You know, I, I've lived in Red Hook for uh, eight or nine years at this point, and uh, I, I didn't look anywhere else. It just seemed like a natural fit for me. I, um, I I'm a huge fan of Red Hook, and um, and I love all those things that you talked about, and 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 I'm sort of. I mean, I, I wish that that Red Hook had. Part of me wishes that the Red Hook had exploded the way that that you described it, um, but part of me is very happy it didn't. And and I think that uh, that you know both sides of that coin are great, and and both sides of that coin are, are not so great. But I, I I'm a huge fan, and and I love the idea that I wake up in the morning and I walk down the street three blocks and to my distillery and and uh, have some fun. Excellent. Now, do you guys ever do, uh, speaking of having fun, uh, we just uh, had the uh, Manhattan Cocktail Classic uh, a couple of weeks ago. Did you, were you involved in any of the events or? No, you know, I, um, my, my whiskey is just so, so young uh, and, and uh, I just was, um, I sort of felt like next year is my year to sort of uh, get more involved with that. Maybe it was, yeah, I mean, it seems like it might have been maybe too soon, obviously, like yeah. whiskey takes time. Um, that's what, you know, it's. All good things are worth waiting for, right. um, but uh, yeah, totally. Um, are you planning on doing anything for, say, like Tales of the Cocktail coming up this summer? Um, you know, I, um, I I've, I've just been so um, so wrapped up in in getting the distillery underway and and uh, establishing my 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 business locally that that I've not been branching out. But it, but I definitely would like to, um, if not this year, next year. Well, I have another question for you. How do you balance? Owning and distilling at your distillery, and then uh, being an editor for the Daily Show with John Stewart. <laughs> uh, and then on top of that, I have I have two young children. It's um, <laughs> there is no balance. I'm I'm working all the time, <laughs> and uh, I, I look forward to the day that I can I can find that balance again. Um, but it's it's all worthwhile. You know, my my the job here at the Daily Show is is uh, is a fun and worthwhile job, and and. Uh, Doing the distilling is is fulfilling a dream of mine, and I'm really excited about that. And and uh, and I think it's just a matter of time to 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 be able to to find the balance there. You know, I I kind of feel like uh, it, we wouldn't be here in New York if uh, we weren't complete, almost masochist yeah. like workaholics. I don't and, know anybody who's not. I mean, I, I complain in, uh, about how much I'm working, but but frankly, everybody I know is too. So yeah, exactly. Oh, I never get to see my friends. Ah, uh, well, they don't get to see me either. So <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll just email each other. Okay. <laughs> um, as far as as far as any uh, future plans go for the uh, distillery uh, outside of these uh, really interesting ideas for your your different agings for rye and your different mash bills, uh, anything else that we can look forward to coming out from uh, Van Brunt Stillhouse? Yeah, uh, you know I. Uh I love to play around. I love to to experiment, and and one day I'm, I hope to be in that place. And and uh, you know, I before I was in distilling, I I like to to make uh, fruit wines and and uh, and beer, and and I look forward to getting back to that place. And uh, at the moment, though, I'm just trying to to keep my eye on the prize and focus on making good rum and getting my whiskey ready to roll. Cool. Well. Um the website is vanbruntstillhouse.com. And do you ever offer distillery tours? Um, I, I have not yet, but I, I certainly plan to in the near future. I don't. Um, most of the distilleries in the city have a farm license, which allows them to sell from their 
distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since I'm doing rum, uh, that license didn't really apply. So, so I'm not allowed to sell any of my wares out of this distillery. And so consequently, the, 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 the um, tours haven't made sense quite yet. But, uh, but I, I think this, this summer I'll probably have a couple of random weekends that I post on my Facebook account or my Twitter account and, and um, have open tours. And, and then hopefully in the spring I'll, I'll have a tasting room open and we'll have uh, tours on a regular basis. Cool. And what would your Twitter account be? Uh, it's uh, uh, VB Stillhouse. VB Stillhouse is in Van Brunt Stillhouse. Cool. Yeah. And uh, my, my Facebook is, um, uh, is Stillhouse. Just Stillhouse? Just Stillhouse, yeah. Wow, I can't believe you got that one. <laughs> lucky, <laughs> lucky, lucky. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Everyone check out Van Brunt Stillhouse. Uh, you can go to the website, uh, com, and look out for Do North Rum. And Derek, thank you so much for talking to us, and I can't Thanks. wait to come by Thanks the distillery. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Next week, we will have Michael Kimslick from... Copper Sea Distillery. He's the CEO of, uh, of that uh, distillery in the Hudson Valley, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Cheers. Now when you see him stumbling up and down the street, you know that cat's been drinking. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.